Hello and welcome back to the Men You're Not Alone podcast. This is probably going to be episode 136, I believe. This one is has been brought on by a, a friend of mine who stopped by. It's it's fairly late at night and he stopped by to chew the fat for a little bit and he wanted to pick my brain on a few things and we talked uh, quite a bit about the Bible and, and current culture and stuff like that. And it brought back to mind something that I'd done in episode 51, which is to throw out an idea that's been bouncing around in my head for the past several years. And I apologize, my voice, I've recorded several episodes now, and then I've been talking with my friend for the past couple hours, and it's late at night now. And so I'm a morning person, and I just don't have my mojo once I get very late into the evening. I'm more of a morning person, definitely. So I wanted to just put another piece of bait out there that when people talk about, you know, the mud flood is a, is a current topic that's out there now. The mud flood, I'm thinking of things that I hear. I try to keep my finger on the pulse of things that are going on around the world in the discussion of things. I listen to a lot of things that I have uh, not necessarily an interest in, but things that are cultural litmus tests, things that help me to keep my finger on the pulse, the pulse of culture. Because I have a heart for my people, for the people of my country. Actually, for anybody. It doesn't matter where you're from so much, but just people in general. But but I, I try to keep my finger on the pulse of what is what is out there? What are people digesting? What are we filtering through? How is it shaping our worldview? Because deception is so powerful. And I speak from experience and knowing that I'm, e- I'm easily deceived. I have no problem admitting that. I hear a lot of discussion. I try to keep up with some of it. I don't have time to to, to really watch videos. I listen to some audio. I'm just more of an audio person than I am a video person. And I hear I hear a variety of mud flood discussions as it's coming on. So around the mud flood discussion, it is an unexplainable, and I put that in air quotes, uh, phenomenon, something that happened. And people like John Levi has been at this for a long time. If you've never checked out his channel, I think John Levi does... You know, he's definitely a pioneer in the whole mud flood thing, and he gets copied a lot now. But John Levi is a deep thinker. Um, He's a fairly logical thinker, actually a very logical thinker. He'll put you to sleep with his voice. But there's a whole bunch of people now that are talking about mud flood things. I mean, and it's obvious. I mean, I travel a lot, and I pay attention to a lot of things. And there's things I've noticed even back when I was a kid about building grades being wrong and windows being below grade, stuff like that. You know, in my recent road trips, which I'll make an episode about having to do with elderly parents um, coming down the down the pike here a little bit, maybe to help some people with elderly parents. But I I picked two routes to head back west. It was 3,600 miles, you know, each trip. I've run back and forth across this country a lot over the course of my life. So I specifically stopped at some certain places just to see in some of the places that I know are among the oldest. And the mud flood thing is readily apparent. I, I found what I believe is probably the deepest mud flooded area um, in Kansas just on a hunch from back in my 20s. And I'm in my 50s now, and, and it panned out. And it is those oldest buildings are definitely some of the deepest mud flooded buildings I've ever seen um, next to possibly the Mormon temple. But so I hear a lot about the mud flood stuff. It is legitimate. There is something that happened. I hear a, another common theme is that um, it's being posited that a thousand years of time, 
has been subtracted or like basically erased as if it didn't exist in the narrative. I don't necessarily disagree with either of those. I don't actually have anything to confirm or deny the absence of a thousand years. Nothing I can put my hands on, nothing I can verify with my own eyes, or nothing that I have yet. But I will throw this out just as a bait to go back to episode 51 and maybe listen to it. And I don't even, I haven't listened to it since I recorded it, so I don't know how clearly I explained this. Is it possible that we live in the time after the millennial reign of Jesus, thousand year reign, and that Satan was hurled to the ground, <laughs> thrown to the earth for a short period? He is loosed upon the earth for a short period. And I, I want to say that's Revelation 9. Uh, that that casting down. We don't get a lot of information about it. Jesus does make a statement that he saw Je- he saw Satan cast upon the earth like lightning. And forgive me, I'm really tired. I did not go back and look at any Bible passages. If I'm off, uh, forgive me. I'm not trying to do a Bible lesson here. I'm just trying literally to bait you back to episode 51. So if... The mud flood, because the, the two things I hear people say is they can't explain, is the seeming absence of a thousand years from the timeline, the historical narrative in which we live now, and the mud flood. And I, my, my position is, it's not something I'm convinced of. And all I'm simply putting out there is that it's not something I'm dogmatic about. It's not something I've put a lot of research into, because honestly, I don't have the time right now. And I, it's not really that critical to me. It's just something that's parked in the back of my head and my brain chews on it while I'm doing other things. If we're missing a thousand years, that happens to coincide with a millennial reign of Jesus. And as I look across the whole mud flood discussion, there is something significant about the old world empire, as it's put, that existed across the earth. And that is something that speaks to me of a time of great peace, not a time of war. Nations that, a world that is warring, constantly, doesn't have time to do these star forts, to do what appears to be harnessing energy in some way tied to water and building absolutely stunningly massive, magnificent structures that are exceedingly complex with technology on them. All these things. I don't think any of those observations are illegitimate. I think they are completely legitimate. I think there's a lot of stuff in this world that is readily observable with our eyes that doesn't fit the historical narrative and the old world empire that was obviously here before us. It, to me, is plainly visible with your own eyes. It's just a matter of whether your worldview will allow it to be real. If Jesus reigned for a thousand years, he catches and takes with him people who are, who have committed their lives to him, who have given their lives to him, He takes them with him. They make a massive exodus out of this off the earth. But one another thing with the mud flood is that they comment, where did all the children come from? Well, it it wouldn't be unprecedented in the Bible that Jesus would spare the children. If you look at the exodus with Moses, I don't remember the age. I want to say it was 16. As they're wandering around the desert, they're having these constant rebellions. Their hearts are divided. They are not willing to follow Yahweh. They want to follow Hathor. They want the lower G gods. They want to return to Egypt. They're just a mess because they have divided hearts. They're not loyal to Yahweh, even though the angel of the Lord, Yahweh himself in that angel is leading them. They still don't want to go. But And, and so Moses is informed 
that anybody, don't quote me, ages six, over 16 will not see the promised land. They're going to die. Not like suddenly. It's just time is going to pass and they're going to age out. But anybody under that age will make it into the promised land. And this is one example of Yahweh not judging the children for their father's sins. Well, what if the same thing happened? So here, just bear with me. So the millennial reign comes to an end. Jesus, that's it. Jesus is done. He takes those who are loyal to him, those who have committed to him or given their lives to him, their heart, they don't have a divided heart and it's his. He takes them out of here with him. What we would call a rapture, I guess, what we would call a rapture. I I don't know. Just hear me out. At the same time or close to it, Satan or the devil is the Nakash is hurled down upon the earth. Okay, he is kicked out of the heavenly realm. He is no longer able to exist there. He is now bound to the earth. He is loosed upon the earth, but he he doesn't have the flexibility to come and go into that heavenly realm anymore. He cannot move freely. He is upon the earth, and that's it for a short period. And then he will be thrown into a lake of fire. Well, if you take an angelic being like that, something of that divine magnitude of, of an Elohim, and you hurl it, as Jesus described it, like lightning falling or being thrown from the sky, Satan was hurled upon the earth. Like lightning. That's, a, that's an interesting analogy or metaphor that Jesus grabbed, because what if it was, what if a giant plasma discharge came with it? That's another mud fossil, mud fossil, not mud fossil, mud flood hypothesis that I hear. People are like, well, it's burn buildings. Could it be a plasma discharge? Well, sure, it could be a plasma discharge. I mean, it's hard to explain so many melted structures around the world, especially made out of brick or stone or cement. That's a hard thing to melt, especially across the entire world. But what if Satan being thrown down, what if that event accounts for the melted buildings and the mud flood or what we call the mud flood? What if it was just such a global, not global, what if it was such a worldwide disturbance? Because it is a worldwide disturbance. The mud flood thing is a worldwide phenomenon. It's not localized in any country. It's worldwide. I don't, I don't think that's really up for argument. That's, I think it's, it takes about five minutes to confirm that with photographs from all over the world. But that's just a hypothesis. And then all the children, people say, where did the orphan trains come from? Where did all these kids come from? Well, what if in that cataclysm, see, God's, Jesus already taken his people with him. There's a whole bunch of people remaining upon the earth, but Yahweh in his grace and his mercy does not permit the children of a certain age and below to be killed when Satan is hurled down. And there may have been mass calamity. And some of that calamity may have been some type of vibratory vibration some type of frequency disruption. If there's a plasma discharge that melts brick and stone, I would assume that with that big of an energy discharge, the electromagnetic field of the earth is screwed up, which could, in fact, either cause liquefaction. It could change the natural world because it, it, it basically changes the frequency of everything that's around. And I would say over the face of the earth. This is a large-scale thing with Satan being hurled to the earth. And I'm not saying he's here, but so the kids are okay. There's a handful of survivors. They're opportunists. Maybe they're older kids. 
And you've got people like the Rockefellers and stuff like that, who I have long contended, they're not the sharpest knives in the drawer. They just happen to be present. Okay, so let's just play this out for a second. Say Satan is now upon the earth. So now you've got this mud flood appearance thing. I'm just going to keep calling it that because that's what it's known as. You have these melted structures. You have this evidence of a long-standing period of peace with magnificent architecture, magnificent technology, something that just screams a worldwide peace for a very, very long time, like a thousand years. Got a thousand years that disappears from the timelines. Is there's arguments for that? Now you've got the devil upon the earth, where he is confined regionally. He can't realm wise. He can't leave that realm. He can't leave this realm. So the opportunist finds winning younger men, such as the Rockefellers, the Carnegies. I don't know. I, I don't know any of these people. I'm just throwing this out there. The Morgans, there's no, there's no question these people run our economies. They run our governments. They exert a tremendous amount of influence. I don't think it's because they're, they're smart. I think it's because they, were, they just happened to be there. And so let's say Satan or the devil gets a hold of these guys and says, Hey, look, dude, you want to be uh, rich and powerful? Here, you just do what I tell you to do. Now I'll make you rich and powerful. And, and Satan would know that he's got a short time upon the earth. Like it's a limited amount of time. He has a shelf life before Jesus is going to deal with him in a very harsh way. So he's going to make haste. And so his goal is to create chaos, but he's also bound to this realm. So he has to have a low profile because he would still be eternal. So that starts to get noticed over time. If that is the case, he would have to maintain a low profile while here. Or eventually he's going to start showing up in multiple photographs, things like that. I don't know. Like eventually you, can, you can't hide something like that for, for that long. It, it starts to become obvious. Hey, dude, you're like always around. That's if he's in physical form. Maybe he's not in physical form. I don't know. But then he motivates these people. See, he's been trying to train wreck creation since the garden when the Nakash came to Eve and was successful in beginning the train wrecking of creation. Well, now he's on the earth. Let's just say he is. He's still got the same agenda. It's been, I mean, the Bible makes it very clear. That has been his agenda since the beginning. He wants to train wreck God's creation. He can't create, so he wants to train wreck what's there. Now we've got, you know, I tell people, because this is very offensive, like to a lot of people, they say, well, this totally conflicts with my worldview. This conflicts with my biblical understanding. And it doesn't fit in the designated parking spaces of, of my particular eschatological perspective. And it doesn't really fit anybody's eschatological, you know, eschatology, uh, none of their positions. This is, and, and, and I, I just don't live inside a lot of lines. And I try to live very simply and look at things like a child and based on observation. And it's in listening to the questions that people are asking, the, the legitimate things that people are observing, looking for an answer for, but they can't explain the thousand years that may have disappeared from the narrative or from the timeline that is in the narrative. Well, you know what I mean. They can't explain the sudden presence of so many just children everywhere. They can't explain the excess amount of dirt that is sitting 10 to 15 to 30, 40 feet above the base of buildings. And I'm just putting this forward as 
there's a possibility that what I'm saying could explain that. And, and see, it's in, it would be in the devil's best interest if people don't ask that question. Could we be post-millennial reign of Christ in the time when Satan or the devil is here upon the earth because he's loosed here? The very people that ask me questions about it are the very people that also call me and say, am I crazy or does it seem like evil is kind of like escalating, like this overt Satan worship, this overt occult, this overt, um, like if you're a Genesis junkie or if you're an Old Testament junkie, it's just this same plaguing problem that you see throughout the Old Testament of this underworld cancer that was brought in by those B'nai Elohim who crossed into the physical realm and could not go back and corrupted mankind. It's the gift that is kept on giving. It's the cancer that's just not gone away. And we kind of find ourselves back in almost looking like Canaan, at least here in the United States, with, you know, like when Elijah went after Ahab and Jezebel, because Ahab had done more to anger the Lord than any king before him, anyone before him. And what did he do? He built a temple to Baal. He put up an altar to Baal. Then he put an Asherah pole or an Ashtaroth pole on a high place. And that infuriated God, Yahweh. So he sent Elijah to deliver a message about a famine, not a famine, but a drought. And, and I don't want to get off on Elijah. But but that's kind of us here in the United States. This stuff is rising back up. And it there's a cycle of it rising back up when you start in Genesis and you just go through the Old Testament. And then you find Jesus confronting this stuff as he moves around geographically like a sniper to specific geographic locations that are key places from the book of Genesis and the the places that the B'nai Elohim who crossed into the physical realm and corrupted the genetic pool in every regard. So if Satan is here, if the devil is here upon the earth, it is very much in his interest that nobody asks that question. Could we be living after the millennial reign of Christ? Because it, it takes nothing for me to say to somebody, you understand, like Satan, like if I'm a follower of Christ and his Holy Spirit is in me, and I command the devil to leave me or to go away in the name of Jesus, he has to abide by that. So do all of his little stupid minions. All of his underworld spirits and his disembodied spirits from the Nephilim, all these demonic things, they, are, they have to do as Jesus commands. And Jesus put that in us. We're not their, their whatever you call it, we're not their minions. When, when I can tell that the, the, the unpleasant side of the spiritual realm, there's something from it around me, I tell it to leave in the name of Jesus. It's not a question for me. You have to leave. In the authority of Jesus, goodbye. It's not a question. It has to abide. That is the cosmic order that Yahweh put into the cosmos. They are subservient to the authority of Jesus. He is way, he is way more of a commanding presence over them. And they're going to answer for that, for the things that they have been doing. So anyway, I'll just put that out there. And it's food for thought. If you want to go back to episode 51, it'll take a lot of scrolling back. But I, I, I wanted to mention it again because I do think it's something that's relevant as the mud flood discussion continues to kind of uh, head out in a V, in a V shape. It's not narrowing down. It's getting bigger. It's pulling in more people who can readily observe 
who can readily make observations around them and see that something is off. And I have put forth in episode 51, I think, and I still kind of hold to it. I, I, there's something around like 1800, 1815, 1825, somewhere in there. If when I say that I think it's possible that the devil was cast down upon the earth somewhere in that span of time, and then from there, it began the rebuilding, the repopulating of the earth, the taking over, the, uh, the moving in of, into existing places, existing buildings, existing cities that fits the photographs, but don't fit the narrative. Because the photographs and the narratives, they, they don't jive anyway. But that is pretty much offensive and absurd to most people. And I really don't care because I'm just looking for answers. And I could be dead wrong, and that's okay too. But anyway, I'll leave it at that, and I'll catch you on the next one.